Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Justin Yoakum from State Fair and Liberty Kitchen coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's the owner of Avondale Food and Wine in Montrose. We follow her on Instagram at Mary Lee Clarkson. Mary Clarkson, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Eric. Happy New Year's. Happy to be here. Happy New Year. It's good to talk to you. Thank you. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. I rounded up over 30 new bars and restaurants that are opening in Houston this year. As I said, everything from Baba Yaga to Yellow. So Mary Clarkson, let me put it to you. What are you looking forward to in 2021? You know, I'm just thankful that this many restaurants are opening this year, especially with so many places that we've lost in the last year. Um, I'm really looking forward to De Just. De, uh, you tell me the cor- correct pronunciation. Uh, De Goost. De Goost. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I think uh, the chef behind this, Brandon Silva, is always been one of my favorite um, up-and-coming chefs, and I think this will offer something uh, new to the market. So I'm excited about that. I'm always, whatever is driven by great food, I'm excited about, and I think this will fit that criteria. You know, I, De Goost is opening uh, this week, and actually Brandon will be on the show next week to talk about it. I, I did have the opportunity to try it this weekend. They did a little media preview for four of us. It is, it is very, very cool. Uh, you know, he is of... He's a Houston native, but he's got both Spanish and Mexican heritage. And so he's incorporating all of that into the menu. They're, they're grinding their own corn to make masa, to make tortillas and tostadas. They're, you know, pickling, preserving, all kinds of things. It, it's, a, it's, a really, uh, it's a really fun experience. I saw your pictures. They looked wonderful. Yeah, that that would be one of the ones I'm most excited about. Loro. I've been to Loro in Austin. I think it's a beautiful blend of Uchi and Franklin barbecue. I'm excited for a concept like that to be in Houston. I don't think we have anything even kind of sort of like that concept here currently. Um, what do you think about Loro? Yeah, I have not had the chance to try Loro, but I've heard so many good things about it. And I do think it's going to be such a game changer. I think opening it be, up, the opening Heights, up on 11th Street. Yeah, the Heights is a killer location. You know, I think they will do really, really well. Um, something more in my kind of wheelhouse. Roots is opening up on the East End. Obviously, I own a wine bar, wine shop, and restaurant. Um, and my closest friend, Mike Sammons, owns How to Survive on the East End. So this will be a nice, nice new addition. Uh, to that neighborhood. I really do do think it's the most happening up and coming um, neighborhood in Houston right now. Um, As when I put my real estate attorney and broker hat on, I mean, when I'm guiding clients of where to be for relatively inexpensive startup costs for a new restaurant, it's the East End. And they've been hard at work on this. I actually ran into JD, the chef um, and general manager at How to Survive this past week. And he said they were looking for a end of the month soft opening. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. And we should say JD Fouché is the, is the chef there and he's got a whole bunch of experience in new Orleans. He was on the opening crew at Riel. He worked at reef. I mean, this is someone who's kind of been 
the guy behind the guy for a long time. And so he gets to step out on his own and really show off kind of his version of modern Gulf coast food. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that too. He's a great chef. So I, and I like the style of food. It's um, I don't think there are as many of these style chefs as I, as the city deserves right now. Right. Uh, just a couple that, that I want to mention uh, Hamsa, the, Modern Israeli restaurant from the owners of Doris Metropolitan. Ooh, yummy. You know, I had Itai Ben-Ali and Chef uh, Sash Kurgan on the show a few months ago. We kind of teased this a little bit as part of our conversation, but, uh, you know, Doris is definitely a favorite of mine. And so, you know, modern Israeli cuisine, you know, we don't really have that restaurant in Houston that's like... Like a Shia in right, New Orleans. Exactly. Right. Shia in New Orleans or uh, Zahab in Philadelphia. You know, where, and so we're due. Where in the village is this going to be? Do we know? So this is the former gorgeous Gale space on Morningside. It's being completely transformed. Okay. Ooh, I'm excited. I am excited about this. I think I kind of maybe glanced over this one. Um, I was actually recommending to somebody the other day. They're like, well, what's a really great steakhouse in Houston? And I'm like, you know, if you want a traditional take, best in class, it's Papa's. I said, but if you want something a little more modern, um, and contemporary, it's Doris. I just, I still dream of their artichoke dish that they do there. Yeah, no, I went there with a friend a few months ago who hadn't been there before and is kind of dipping a toe into the culinary world. We had their grilled octopus. She was like, I think this is the best thing I've ever tasted. <laughs> Which I, I mean, it had never occurred to me that, that that is the dish that would make someone say that, but uh, I do think their their food is is very delicious and and always sort of surprising and delightful and so, you know, them at a at a slightly more affordable price point, um, I think will be a lot of fun for people. And then you know you talked about Degust as a, a tasting menu restaurant. Um, Got to talk about March, right? Felipe Riccio's yeah. uh, very sophisticated Mediterranean concept that's opening above Rosie Cannonball. You know, I did have the opportunity to go try there lounge service that uh, wrapped up last weekend. And again, you know, I've, I've always enjoyed Felipe's cooking. Uh, you know, I went to his pasta pop-ups over the years. I, you know, uh, Rosie Cannonball is a favorite of mine and just the, the sophistication and thoughtfulness and all of the little snacks that they rolled out at the lounge service just has me so excited for, for what the real, the real deal tasting menu is going to be. The pictures look and, great of the food and Alex Negrons is honestly one of the best bartenders in the city. So his cocktails are going to be amazing. Right. The cocktails are right. Alex's cocktails are always delicious. They have an 11,000 bottle wine cellar, you know, full of all kinds of stuff to pair with, to pair with the dishes. It's, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, they were saying hopefully March, Right, oh, March will Mar open in March. March. Is opening in March. Wasn't it supposed to open in March of last year? I don't know. It uh, was supposed to open last year. It obviously got delayed by the pandemic, uh, but you know, fingers crossed. It's a beautiful and it's a beautiful room. I mean, you know, just like it, you know, full of uh, like cool looking art and and you know, boutique furniture. It's it's a really impressive. It's been a fortune on that building and that built out. It's it's beautiful. Let's let's hope that the food holds up to the decor. Yes. Well, based on my, my encounter with the lounge menu, I'm going to say that it will. Excellent. All right. Topic number two, 
Shipley Donuts has a new owner. The <laughs> Houston favorite has been purchased by a private equity firm out of Austin called Peak Rock Capital. Mary, I had no idea there are 300 Shipley's locations across nine states. Uh, Peak Rock Capital wants to grow it even well beyond that. You knew that venture capital money was coming for the donut man. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that there's a lot to say about this. I don't really expect it to change much about the day-to-day Shipley experience in Houston. If they're smart, they don't mess it, mess with it. They just take the returns and roll it into their portfolio. But I, I think that is part of the plan. Um, obviously, they acquired it to grow it. So we will start to see Shipley expand into other places. I mean, I, I will say, you know, on the East Coast, it's like it's all Dunkin', right? Especially in, in New England. I've never been a Dunkin' person. My mom swears that the Dunkin' Donuts coffee is good, though, and I have never had it. Uh, the Dunkin' Donuts coffee is actually pretty good, especially their iced coffee. But uh, the donuts are are not good, especially in Houston. For as, whatever as reason, as Linda Salinas might say, basura. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, it's you know, and and then what are the other sort of national donut chains? Maybe Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme um, was solid back in the day. I haven't had it in forever. Um, what other donut spots? You know, I don't know. The original Shipley's on Forty Third. A hot glazed donut from them is pretty much the best thing you can have. No, I, I agree with you. And and so I'm, but but there's nothing about my experience with other sort of national donut brands that, that leads me to think that Shipley can't, you know, go out and conquer and, and be all over the place. So I'm like surprised this firm like bought them instead of Voodoo Donuts. Just saying. Well, <laughs> you know, Voodoo Donut is a, is a more you know, a more sort of premium experience and a much smaller footprint. I mean, there's, you know, a couple of dozen voodoos all over the country. You know, you've got a new one, you know, they only opened in Houston uh, a year ago. And of course the the new one's coming to lower West timer sometime this year, but it's a much, it's a much, uh, it's a much different experience. Shipley is a donut for, for the every man, right? A 70 cent, 80 cent, whatever, hot glazed donut as opposed to like a $3. Uh, or the donut holes. Donut. I mean, are they the originator of the donut holes? I don't know. Probably not, but they are, <laughs> they are an essential part of the Shipley experience and the kolaches, right? I mean, I think that's the other thing. Kolaches sort of are sets. solid. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't think this is going to, going to change very much for your day-to-day Shipley experience, but this was a very popular article on, on culture map in the last week. And so I, I felt like we needed to at least mention it. It's beloved. Uh, my favorite uh, Shipley's memory as of recently is Chef Bobby uh, from La Lucha in State of Grace. He takes his kids there, I think, what, every Friday when when he takes them to school and he posts a photo of them. It's just like really cute childhood memory for, for kids. Yes, they, they alternate various donut shops. You can follow uh, <laughs> Bobby Matos on Instagram for wherever he's taking the kids. But yes, uh, Donut Friday, Shipley is in the rotation. All right. Let us move on to topic number three, proposed legislation in the Texas House and Senate could make alcohol to go permanent for restaurants. Mary, I know you, you are a beer and wine license, so you're sort of out of this game as uh, at Avondale, uh, wine sales are a big part of your business model, but, but how important do you think it is, you know, from talking to other people? the ability to sell prepared cocktails to go 
with food has become for for restaurants, both uh, especially during the pandemic. I mean, New Orleans is one of my favorite cities and they've been doing it a long time. Um, I think restaurants and bars uh, need every bit of help that they can get. So why not? Um, you know, if, it, if, if we take too much advantage of it or liberties of it, I, I'm sure it could always be rolled back. Um, I've always thought, and this is probably not a smart thing for me to say, but I'll go ahead and say it. I think TABC is very antiquated in the way that they conduct themselves. Um, you know, as long as the taxes are being paid on it, the state's probably going to be very happy. Um, and everybody's been so hammered this past year with COVID. And if it gives, if it allows restaurants to survive and thrive going forward, let them have it in bars. No, no, I, I agree with you. And, and I think restaurants have begun to really embrace this. And, and, and as a diner, I mean, it's something I really enjoy the ability to, you know, to pick up um, pizza and a beer or, or, you know, a burger and a margarita as well, especially for Tex-Mex, the ability to get an order of fajitas and a couple of margaritas is, is really compelling. Well, uh, and, something, something else, side note, like Anvil does their bottled cocktails to go. And, you know, even if the legislature can maybe take it a step even further um, and allow wine and or bottled cocktails to be shipped out of state. Um, I've just never really understood why we can't do that. It's, it's an additional source of revenue. And think about how many fans of Anvil there are all around the world that would love a bottled cocktail to be shipped to them to give as a gift. So that if, if the legislature really wanted to be small business minded, that would be awesome. That would be very exciting. Yes, I agree. Um, but you're also starting to see restaurants incorporate this into their business plans. I mean, I talked to Chris Shepard about Georgia James Tavern, his new restaurant that he's going to open in Market Square Tower. And one of the reasons he picked the apartment building is that they can sell cocktail packages to residents. So, you know, if you're going, if you're lounging by the pool or if you're hosting, you know, a game in their poker room or having a movie night in one of their entertainment suites, you can, you can get that cocktail package and, and some food and really have an experience. And, and so I just, uh, no, I'm, I'm glad that the legislature is, is taking steps to enshrine this, you know, obviously uh, governor Greg Abbott granted a waiver that, allowed this, but it really is up to the legislature to make it permanent. And so um, it seems like it's got bipartisan support. It's got support in both the House and Senate. Um, the Texas Package Stores Association is on board with this. So, and the Restaurant Association is pushing for it really hard. So hopefully this, uh, this comes to pass. Yay. Me, I, I hope it does as well. I wonder, I wonder what places like Specs think about it. i curious i mean no matter what they'd be selling the alcohol to the businesses right so i think it's a win for them too right uh, supposedly the package stores are in line i mean i i you know i think they recognize that there's a difference between you know especially because uh bars and restaurants are limited right you can only sell like 375 milliliters of spirit so yeah it's not going to stop you can't from right, you can't buy it in the quantity Exactly. All right. Mary, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around.
Mary, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about hidden omakase. Yes. We're, 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 we're just tasty menu heavy in this particular episode. This is a new restaurant that has opened uh, in a Galleria area office building that also happens to be uh, where the Culture Map office is, 5353 West Alabama. It is led by Chef Billy Kin, formerly of Blackbird Izakaya. And it is a very intimate 14-feet tasting menu restaurant uh, with a Japanese focus. So, Mary, let me, let me just put it to you. What did you think of Hidden Omakase? I thought it was great. Honestly, I was, was very surprised um, by it. I'm a big sushi lover. I live nearby uh, Takata Rabata. I'm always at Kata for lunch or dinner, uh, you know, at least a couple times a week. Uh, we have MF Sushi and Uchi, but none of them, you can have an omakase menu at those places, but this this particular restaurant is dedicated to solely omakase. Um, I think we had maybe a couple more courses than are normally offered, but I think 12 courses is what's, uh, the 10 to 12 courses is the normal offering. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's definitely going to be an experience uh, for people to go here. I, I think the price point is going to make it a special occasion type of place, but I think it will be immensely well-received by uh, diners that choose to go there. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at um, my pictures as, as we were sort of uh, discussing this from that night and you know, the, the roll your own hand roll. The, the hand roll was spectacular. The A5, the quality of the ingredients. Yeah, yeah. There was the, the roll your own hand rolls. And then there was a series of hand rolls at the end. One with the squid ink rice. Yeah, the, you know, the, the, um, the scallop that was seared with the, the binchiton charcoal right in front of us. You know, the toro, the the salmon belly. I mean, all of that stuff was just really first rate. And I will say, you know, $150 um, is a lot, especially when some of the courses are individual bites of nigiri. Um, They don't have a liquor license yet. So it is BYOB, which does take a little bit of the sting out of the price. Um, I mean, it is a, it is an undeniably premium experience. And, And I do think there is something to be said for, Yes, you can you can go to the counter at MF and have an omakase. You can certainly go to the counter at Uchi and have an omakase with Horisan. Um, there is something kind of cool about that being the only experience, right? That that you you have the chef's undivided attention through the course of the meal, which is not the case at Katarobata. Right. Well, I mean, so, and I think honestly, uh, with what's going on with dining right now in, in our city, for people that aren't going out a lot and they're like, you know, this is the one time this month we're going to go out or whatever their frequency is, they're going to feel like this experience was worth it. No, I, I think so too. And I, and I think there is something, you know, they, they have the partitions up, obviously. Um, you're, you're separated from the other diners. And I, I do think, you know, at a time when people maybe are going out less frequently, that they might be more willing to spend at a higher price point than they would otherwise. Absolutely. And honestly, it's not that much more expensive than uh, the amakase is offered at the other top sushi restaurants in town. And it's in an intimate environment. I think it seats 16, if I'm not mistaken. 
I, yeah, I think it's it's fourteen. I think um, it's been you know it's been it's been really they they've opened up the reservations on Resi and they they opened them up uh, two weeks before. Yeah, so it's, at it's midnight, a, so they go really fast. It's a U-shaped bar, you know, uh, sushi counter height, and I think they're only doing two seatings a night. So you really are getting the un- undivided attention versus you know the other top restaurants in town that on any given evening will serve hundreds of customers right exactly so all right so you being a a kata fan a nucci fan you'll go back absolutely especially you know i don't know how long the byob will will last but um that is a really nice nice straw where it makes it a little more affordable um especially if you can bring a special bottle of sake or champagne or or wine that you've been holding on to that uh, will help offset the cost of the omakase yeah do you uh i'll I'll give you a chance do you uh do you have anything on the list at uh avondale that you would recommend for people well you know i think champagne goes with everything (laughs) so i would recommend uh right now we have a bottle of champagne Mozart for 43 bucks in the retail shop on the inexpensive side. Um, and then if you wanted to get a little more spendy, we have um, some special club bottles that are in the hundred to $150 region, which, you know, if you were buying that at a restaurant, uh, like a good Torb um, special club, you know, it, it could be anywhere from three to $500 a bottle. So you pick that up for a hundred and you take that with you, then that basically is paid for your dinner. There you go. Mary, uh, what else do you have going on in Avondale before I let you get out of here? Okay, well, it's a new year. Uh, so we brought back chef's cooking classes. We took a little break uh, for the last few weeks of the year. Um, so we're doing cooking classes every Saturday and Sunday afternoon at Avondale. Um, and we're, those will be posted every week on Instagram. But one of the things uh, chef's making for the next couple of weekends, well, it's uh, this season is king cake. Uh, so that's a fun little experience that you can make um, either as an individual or an idea for a couple's uh, date. But the French Gaillette de Raw is uh, a very traditional dish this time of year that a lot of people here in the South look forward to. Very good. All right, Mary, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Eric. And I'll be right back with Justin Yoakum. Stick around. I'm joined this week by Justin Yoakum. He is the chef and culinary director for Culinary Concepts. That is the restaurant group that owns both Liberty Kitchen and State Fair. Justin, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I hope you're staying warm. <laughs> I'm staying inside. So that, that means I'm staying warm. Nice. Um, you know, I always like to start these conversations at the beginning so tell me a little bit about how you became interested in the world of professional cooking. Um, well, I uh, went through high school and, you know, I watched all of my peers sign up for college and I was like, well, what am I going to do? Um, you know, and so I panicked real quick getting out of high school, went to community college and uh, you had to pick a major. So I was like, well, computers are the future. Engineers make a lot of money. I'll be a computer engineer. and uh, man, the math for being a computer engineer is really, uh, up there. So I think at some point, um, 
I was going through school and I realized that my mom cooks really great Thai food um, to, uh, as a matter of fact, monks, when they come to the United States, I'm half Thai. And so monks that would come to the United States and visit Houston, they would make a point to stop by my mom's house after they go to the temple. And my mom would always cook them some, uh, just a huge Thai spread. And so I was always fascinated by that. And so I figured, you know what, I'm, I think I want to do going to restaurants. And so, um, my parents didn't really care if I was a CEO or, or picked up trash for a living as long as I had a college degree. And so I was set out to prove them wrong. And, uh, I went into the restaurant side of the world. I got drawn to the culinary side and uh, haven't looked back since. Yeah, I, you know, I was looking over your bio as I was sort of preparing for this. You had quite a, you had quite a bit of uh, time in California. How did you, how did you get from Houston to the West Coast? Well, um, I spent some time here in Houston. I uh, worked at some uh, places. I was out in Kima for a little bit. I was in downtown. And I had an opportunity to go to Las Vegas to work for a seafood restaurant out there. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Las Vegas, I felt like, you know, it's like the hub from, you know, one of the hubs for the culinary world. And it was really fun out there. And then uh, I was able to uh, get a job working at a steakhouse as a chef um, in one of the top steakhouses in California. And uh, I just took it and ran with it. And it was really fun. You know, uh, I think we always kind of see living in, central Texas or just not being in California, you always kind of see on TV, all the celebrities and whatnot. And to actually have them come in and dine at your restaurant, it's just, uh, it's really fascinating and, and kind of fun. You know, it's very, uh, almost like an outer body experience, if you will. Yeah. And then you, you, you must've done a pretty good job of entertaining them because then you, you worked for Jessica Beale for a little bit. I did. Um, you know, I, I, I got, to know uh, them, they uh, approached me and asked me if I wanted to go work for Al Fudge, which was a kid-friendly concept that she and uh, a group of four other people kind of started. And um, I went to go work there, and it went. I went from doing steakhouse and cooking with a ton of butter to gluten-free and and vegan items. And uh, you know, it was, it was really fun. It was it was a great experience for me. Um, I got to see a lot of different things um, and just kind of. I have, I'm a kid at heart. And so to have a lot of kids come in and I got to do stuff like cooking with them and whatnot, it was really fun. Um, but my home was always Texas and I needed to come back to home. And so, uh, now I, here I am. Right. So when you came back to Texas, was it, was it to take the job at state fair or was it, or was there was a not, stop in between? Okay. There was a, there was a pit stop. I, uh, I stopped at Flemings. Um, I actually landed in Plano, um, which was a little bit, you know, right North of Dallas and um, loved it. Uh, I, I enjoy Dallas. It's a little bit colder than Houston, but uh, still very fun. And somehow uh, State Fair kind of fell on my plate. And I was like, man, do I want to go from fine dining to, to uh, a more of a Southern concept? But when I went and visited the restaurant, I just, I, I felt like, man, this restaurant needs me. Like I can, I can do so much for this restaurant. And uh, yeah. And so I just took it and ran with it. And then you know, kind of going through and been here for two years. And now we have Liberty uh, Kitchen under our belt as well. And I'm, you know, able to kind of impact that menu as well, which I'm really looking forward to. We're almost done. We're like three quarters of the way, kind of finishing up, buttoning up that menu for that location as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive into kind of your role with both of those restaurants. Cause you, you came on board at State Fair, you know, shortly after Culinary Concepts had purchased it um, from, uh, Cherry Pie Hospitality, the, the group that started it. That is correct. You know, 
a little bit of a traumatic moment in a restaurant, right? Whenever there's new owners and the founders are no longer involved. Um, kind of what was your assessment of State Fair and, and kind of what did you do to sort of uh, stabilize it maybe and kind of uh, keep people's spirits up? Sure. Um, so, you know, Omar, the, the owner of Colony Concepts, he bought it with the intent, uh, bought, bought State Fair with the intent of not really changing anything. You know, he didn't really want it. He liked, he liked it the way it was. He liked, he liked the atmosphere. He liked everything about it. And I think, you know, as through the natural progression of buying something, things just kind of naturally happened to change. And so um, when I got there, I just I really felt like the biggest thing I thought that restaurant needed was what was the identity and who was it? And if I asked five different people what State Fair was to them, I got five different answers. And so to me, it was, you know, figuring out who we were. And after some time kind of being there and and just kind of leading the pack on who we who are we going to be? And it was, we ended up kind of, you know, we decided we were going to be an upbeat Southern concept and we were going to just kind of kill it on brunches on the weekends and having some really cool, uh, fun Southern twist on food. And some, some stuff kind of ties into the like state fair with fried Oreos and stuff like that. And we just kind of wanted to have fun with it. Yeah. So kind of, what have you, what have you kept from sort of the original menu and, and what have you added? Sure. Um, so we kept the, uh, chili cheeseburger, um, the tuna tartare. Uh, some of the burgers we kind of kept on there. We, we renamed some of it just, you know, from past chefs and just making it kind of more tie into the identity of the restaurant. Um, we did add some fried green tomatoes. We added uh, fried Oreos. We have a really uh, gargantuous funnel cake that we added to the menu as well. Um, and some of the brunch items, you know, chicken and waffles. We just started uh, brunch boards, which is a little bit of everything. And it's actually really taken off and we've only marketed that via social media. So it's really fun to kind of see that take off by word of mouth. Yeah. And then, and you kept the chicken fried steak, which is one of my favorite chicken fried steaks. That's really important. Oh yes. Yes. Don't don't screw with the chicken fried steak. steak. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, and then you, you know, culinary concepts also acquired Liberty kitchen which is sort of interesting because they, they do have like one founder in common. They are kind of maybe two sides of the same coin a little bit in terms of their approach. Yeah. So how do you, how do you sort of assess Liberty kitchen and, and what are, what is it, what makes it sort of different than state fair in your mind? Sure. So Liberty kitchen came about, um, you know, I don't think they opened up after COVID and they kind of shut down and, and when, you know, there was kind of talks of, of, of you know, it joining our brand, we were kind of excited and then um, as we uh, acquired it, we kind of looked at it and was like, well, you know, and, and kind of circles back, what is, what is their identity and who are they and, and what do we want them to be? Because wherever they end up being, I mean, we want them to be the best version of that. And so um, after talking to the owner, he really wanted it to be more of like an elevated coastal cuisine, not so much focus on the Southern side, um, you know, and he wanted to have really great brunches, but more of like a Hampton style brunch versus a Southern style brunch. And I, I happen to agree. I think that would be a really great, it fits, you know, Liberty Kitchen and who it is. And so that's where we've been kind of um, striving for. And that's where we were kind of trying to take the menu to. Okay. So you, you said you're working on rolling out a new menu and it's about to debut. Like, what can we, what are you really excited about? What, what's coming to Liberty Kitchen this year? So when I was in uh, California, um, high profile steakhouse, I got to, you know, I, I was got to eat a lot of caviar and I like caviar. Um, not everybody does. And I always, cause sometimes it's the price point that gets people. And so 
I wanted to have more of an approachable uh, price on caviar. So we do an uh, imported and domestic. Um, we do a coastal board, which you get a bunch of different kind of oysters and mussels all grilled. Um, we're serving that. Um, looking at the brunch menu, we do a lemon and poppy seed pancakes. I actually got some uh, pancake souffle, uh, the jiggly kind that you might oh, see the in Japanese the Japanese. Pancake. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we got some of those on the menu as well. Um, and I want to go a little bit more heart healthy. So we do a uh, turkey and chicken uh, breakfast sausage and just a little bit more different. I'm trying not to go too Southern. So I'm trying to kind of keep it more of a coastal brunch, um, which is kind of exciting. So, yeah. And then, uh, and then what about for dinner? I mean, I, for dinner, I, if I had to, if I had to think about like the one thing at Liberty Kitchen, it's the, it's the giant gumbo, right? I don't know if you're, yeah. I don't know if that's still around. The gumbo's still around. Um, the oyster stew's still on there right now. Um, we're going to look at doing some uh, Chilean sea bass, probably uh, like a 16-spice tuna steak, um, and kind of come doing some of those coastal favorites that people like, um, and try to elevate a little bit, you know, but I still, I didn't want to lose who it was. Um, you know, I know that when it came to uh, some of the brunch back in the day, there was stuff like the Lee's, Lee's biscuit box, and it was a biscuit sandwich served in a, in a little bitty box. So we're probably going to try to do a twist on that. Um, on the brunch menu, there was eggs in purgatory was something that Liberty used to do a long time ago. I kind of want to reintroduce that as well. So I'm trying to do some favorites, twists on old favorites. Well, yeah. And then you guys opened a new location in Sugarland of State Fair. Sorry, I'm shifting gears on you. It's not fair of me. No worries. Uh, shifting back to State Fair, you opened a new location um, this fall. I mean, like, what? How, what's it like kind of opening a restaurant in the middle of a, of a pandemic? It was, it was challenging. Um, you know, we, I, I mean, I think at that point, you know, June, July, we all didn't really know what was going to happen. And so when we opened up uh, State Fair amidst the pandemic, we did – one thing we did do well is we got to open it the right way in that, you know – our, our, all of our employees are washing their hands every hour or doing our temperature checks religiously and, and seeing that and, be, and being that kind of impactful right off the bat. Um, we kind of did everything we could to kind of prevent that, the, the spread of COVID-19. And, and do you find that diners are comfortable? I mean, how are you, you, you know, you um, work will, the dining room, obviously. I mean, like, how's, how's that going? I will say that when you, I, I think the further you get out to the suburbs, um, I don't think, I think there's a little bit more of a um, comfortable going out into restaurants versus I think the closer you get into downtown, um, you kind of see that a little bit more of awareness about going in and then maybe people tend to want to do more delivery and takeout. Right. So have you been able to adapt the menus at both restaurants to sort of cover that delivery takeout side of the business? We have, we haven't really crossed uh, all of Liberty's uh, checks yet, but uh, as far as state fair, we did get on the three platforms, you know, Grubhub, Uber Eats, um, what's DoorDash. And then uh, we did online ordering. Um, we are seeing, you know, we saw a huge influx with our to-go's and deliveries um, right around August and September. And then it kind of tinkered down as other restaurants started to open up. Um, and then Liberty, I'm kind of still trying to put the pieces in, in, in of the puzzle together because how do you do seafood and execute that on it to go very well. So um, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> I, I think the other thing you've done at state fair that I think is kind of cool is you do these like brunch packages where you get the ingredients and people can make it at home. Um, have people embraced that? I mean, it seems like a really fun idea. 
They have, um, and it and it's done really well. You know, uh, we're known for our brunches. We're known for our big breakfasts and our cat head biscuits. And I think the, to be able to offer that to your guests at home with instructions on how to do it, uh, they really enjoy it. And and you know, I always kind of put my phone number there if they want to contact me if there are any questions about how to cook something. Um, and you believe it or not, they they actually reach out to me and just say, hey, I'm just curious about this or that. And so um, I just want to make sure that if they do take it at home and you don't really have uh, you know, cooking isn't one of your, um, one of your go-tos, then I want to be able to assist through that. Are people like texting you pictures? Like are the, is the bacon done yet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They'll text me and they'll say, Hey, you know, what, do I leave it out for too long? What temperatures they ever need to be high fan, low fan. So I walk them through it all. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and then, you know, like a, you open, you open one state fair. I mean, you know, what's the long-term plan? Do you think maybe more state fairs, more Liberty kitchens. What, what are you looking at? We do. At? We have, we have a, we have a, a Liberty kitchen and a state fair on the horizon for later on this year. Um, I will say that the state fair will probably go into uh, a little bit North of Houston. I don't want to say where yet. Cause we haven't really decided that we haven't signed the lease yet, but um, it is in the works. That's exciting. So you've hopped around a little bit. Um, you, you think this is going to be it for you at least for the next few years? I do. I, I got to, you know, I got to, I spent a, a large portion of my career with uh, one company and in, in that company, I got to kind of go to different restaurants and see everything from, you know, fast paced uh, family dining to upscale dining. And I think this is this right here. I, I really enjoy working for culinary concepts. I enjoy working for the owner and uh, I really want to see all of these restaurants really succeed. So I'm going to pour my heart and soul into it. Yeah. What is it about, what is it about State Fair do you think that, that just kind of appeals to people or, or, you know, when people talk to you about what they like about the restaurant, like what is it that sets it apart in your opinion? I, I think it's, it's one of it's our, our brunches. I mean, they're just great. Right. And we have like just crazy big, the huge pancakes. And I think it's just have, having that whole brunch experience, but it's also the um, cocktail part of it. Right. On our frozen flights and our Bloody Marys. I think they enjoy that. Um, I think that state fair is somewhere that you can go during the week and have a really you know fun time with your friends and enjoy some really great food and uh, have some really great service. I think all, all in all, I think nowadays people just want the experience, right? It's not necessarily about the food and the service. It's that whole thing combined is what makes restaurants really great. And then do you, uh, I mean, you said you have, you, you have Thai heritage and your mother cooked for monks. I mean, do you, uh, do you, do you have any aspirations? I mean, t- state fair is not really going to do uh <laughs> you know, thai and, and green curry but do you uh do, do you do you want to dabble in that or or i, I do I, I i dabble in it at home sometimes um my parents permanently moved to thailand and it's actually pretty interesting because um they don't they don't give me an address where they live they gave me gps coordinates so i have to search that up to figure out where they're at um but uh i do try to dabble it at home and, you know, there's some influence on the Liberty side with some things with our, you know, some of our sashimi, I've added some kind of Thai influence to some of it. Um, but, you know, I do it when I can, but for the most part, you know, it's just food in general that I enjoy. Yeah. You could do like a kick-ass Tom Yum or something uh, with a uh, oh, yeah. snapper or something. Yeah. I like where this is going. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I, you can have that. That that idea is free. Cause I, I don't know how to tell you, that. you figure that out on your own. Nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Houston's changed a lot in the time that you were away. I mean, where are you, where are you sort of eating? What, what sort of inspires you? 
Um, so right now I don't get out much. Um, but when I do, you know, I enjoy trying to visiting some of the new restaurants. I mean, Houston has always been this huge melting pot of just chefs and, and food and, and it's getting bigger now. And now it's trying to find all of the, you know, where it once was all the big flashy places. Now I like to kind of go to little like hidden gyms, um, you know, birria tacos. I've been on this kick on. And so I just recently found this place off of uh, Westheimer uh, Taco Fuego, just killing it with the birria tacos. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, I mean, that's really the end of my questions, unless there is something else you would like to discuss. Uh, I think that covers it. I mean, we, we, you know, I appreciate your time today. Well, before I let you leave, we have to play the lightning round. Okay. Five easy questions, five short answers. Okay. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Sure. Justin Yoakum, what is your favorite ingredient? Thai chilies. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Wow. Um, fits in the, I don't, I don't, man, I don't know that one. Okay. Guns and roses maybe. All right. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive through. Ooh. Um, Taco Cabana. All right. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure past or present? JJ Watt. And then finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? Ooh, anchovies and mushrooms. Strong. I, I like a man with strong opinions <laughs> and strong flavors. Um, Justin, give us the, the website and the social media and all that for State Fair, Liberty Kitchen, the whole thing. Sure. Uh, statefairtx.com, or you can follow us on uh, Instagram at statefairhtx, I believe. And then it's libertykitcheneats.com, and we're also Liberty Kitchen Eats on uh, all the social media platforms. Awesome. Hey, thanks again for doing this. Thank you, Eric. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. I'm always welcome to your comments and reviews. But like Katie Nolan says, only if they're five stars and only if they're nice. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next time.